0: From Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN. And from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80.
1: Put my name up in the light.
2: Two things can be true at the same time. A coach that is certainly to many the greatest of all time, possibly in any sport can have a legacy that's untouchable. But the current results can still be questionable. What do you do when those two worlds collide? That's what's happening right now for the New England Patriots. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Presented by Progressive Insurance HD. Uh, we knew that we were going to get a ton out of the owners' meetings in Atlanta. GMs, coaches, front office people, uh, owners, everybody speaking. Media is everywhere. And obviously there's going to be questions. And those questions are always entertaining when they come to Bill Belichick. Because you know the Bill's going to give you a little swagger, a little sass, a little clap back in the answer. You, this is part of the identity of Bill. Like, Bill, Bill's going to say something even when he doesn't say something, right? Like, we at least know that about Bill.
3: Yeah, 100%. And he's going to make you laugh. Sometimes he's going to make you say, come on, Bill, I need more. But for the most part, he is going to be on his P's and Q's and not giving you material to talk about in an extensive way, in a light that we haven't seen before. Oh, but that wasn't the case yesterday, Fitz. Bum, bum,
2: bum. That's right. Media days. He was asked a a fairly complicated but simple and reasonable question about hope and, and why the Patriots fan base should he uh, should feel it right now this is what uh, how that went down
1: what would you say to them to give them a reason to be optimistic for what's ahead for the patriots the last
4: 25 years
2: takes a five second pause (laughs) and then says the last 25 years Now, but didn't he say i don't know at first Uh, No, I think you just, uh, hold on, we'll, we'll listen again.
1: What would you say to them to give them a reason to be optimistic for what's ahead?
2: Last 25 years. I don't think so. Oh. Uh, he's just contemplating. He's <laughs> contemplating that it says the last 25 years. And here's the thing. He's not wrong, Harry. Right? Like, let's start this nuanced conversation by acknowledging mm-hmm. that the last 25 years have given plenty of proof of concept of the greatness of Bill Belichick.
3: No, yes, 100%. You talk about a guy who's won six Super Bowls, but not even before he became a head coach. He was able to, you know, be a winner with the Giants under Bill Parcells and company when he coached Lawrence Taylor and those guys. So Bill Belichick has been winning for a very, very long time. He's also had with the New England Patriots a guy named Tom Brady. So he has won with the New England Patriots. Let's talk about the last three seasons, though. 2020, they missed the playoffs. They went 7-9. 2021, they were able to make the playoffs but had an early uh, round exit to their divisional, I won't say rival, but to their divisional opponent, the Buffalo Bills. 2022, woo, didn't have an offensive coordinator. Things didn't look in sync offensively. Mac Jones is upset. You flip-flopping quarterbacks left and right. They missed the playoffs. They go 8-9. and nine. So the last 25 years, Bill Belichick, are you deflecting? So we cannot pay attention to what happened the last three years in which you have a 25-25 and record and only one playoff appearance is two years where you didn't make the playoffs. This is not Bill Belichick that we're accustomed to hearing from. This is not the Bill Belichick we are accustomed to seeing. And listening to a lot of guys that have played for Bill Belichick, they are surprised that this came out of his mouth because this is cliche, right? This is what coaches preach. Hey, what have you done for me lately? What you did in the past doesn't matter right now. And for Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, what have you done for, for for everyone lately, the fans and the organization? You're 500. That's not Patriot football. That's not what we're accustomed to seeing. So why should the fans be accustomed to what you have done the last 25 years?
2: Well, you mentioned players that played for him. Teddy Bruschi was on Get Up and, and said this pretty bluntly about Belichick's comments and what he thought.
1: I'm very surprised that Bill Belichick would say that. Um, how he would refer to the past, because I've been in countless team meeting rooms when the very first meeting of the season, what comes out of his mouth is this, I don't care what you've done in the past, Pro Bowl, All Pro, all this, all that, leading the league and all this and all that, the past does not matter. So this is a shift to me in the mentality of Bill. I don't know what he was thinking saying that. And if I was in the locker room, I'd check him right now. That's something that he should not say. And it's something that's that's not a message that he should convey to his players who can possibly see that.
2: I, I think what Teddy Ooh. says there matters, though. Like, I hosted one of the reaction shows to Man in the Arena that followed all of the great years of of Brady. And one thing that really hit me is it wasn't just Belichick, it wasn't Brady, it was everybody in that locker room. Everybody bought into a certain way of doing business and a certain part of their culture. And The number of veteran leaders that were there to sort of echo the sentiments of the coaches, right? All of these different pieces to it, Teddy being one of those people that was featured in that documentary, talking about what life was like as a Patriot. It's obvious they're, they're missing a bunch of those guys right now, so it's not not like you can just suddenly replace that in a way that keeps that culture going. And frankly, I just listened to Greenie throughout the course of his show apologizing essentially for these comments and saying, no, I, I agree with it totally. Google me and, and this is a rebuild. Well, okay, the standards still got to be the standard. Players don't get any sort of a grace for any context to why they're underperforming. How many times with Lamar Jackson we say, well, the MVP was a couple of years ago. People want to excuse why they're no longer great. And with coaches particularly, you can miss me entirely with any conversation about the fact that they're rebuilding post-Tom Brady because part of that was a first-round pick at quarterback. And when you pick a quarterback in the first round, there is expectations for every coach with every team across the entire league that that leads to production on the field so at some point how many excuses are we going to make for the fact that as great as he has been and is the last three seasons have not been up to the standard for
3: Belichick or the Patriots well especially last year he has to take accountability over the entire thing because it was his decision not to have an offensive coordinator and flip-flop and have a competition between two people, Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. Let's see who's going to be our offensive coordinator when Josh McDaniels left, right? That was on Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is also the general manager of that football team, so he makes decisions on who's in there and who's not. They have not been explosive in the last three years, like, like, like we've seen You know, a New England Patriots football team could possibly be or be when they were on their Super Bowl runs. We haven't seen that. Those are on on the hands of Bill Belichick, right? So now you have something as a head coach that's on his hands. You have something that's uh, on his hands as a general manager. And moving forward, Bill Belichick can't, you know, relay this message because this is an outlier. We've never seen this from him. And you can't get to the point now with the last three seasons and being 25 and 25 when, when you want to resort to the last 25 seasons and what you've done. That doesn't matter right now because I'll tell you this. Right now in that uh, division, they're picked to be last. Because if Aaron Rodgers and the trade goes through with the New York Jets, you have him there. Then you have Tua Tonga-Valoa, who played at a very, very high level when he was able to stay on the football field last year. Then you have Josh Allen. So if you're telling me that the Patriots are going to go to the playoffs right now, and I understand Bill O'Brien is there and their defense is what what they were, I would tell you you're probably crazy because I don't think they're going. Because I don't think they're better than the three teams in their division. A
2: hundred percent it's Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. You're talking about the least talented team in their division with the worst quarterback in the division once the once we presume this Aaron Rodgers trade goes through. So you're talking about a team that's going to be battling for a wild card spot, which is tougher than ever in the AFC, especially if you don't have a difference maker at the quarterback position. And remember, in this team, with this organization, whatever they do or don't have at the quarterback position lies squarely at the feet of Bill Belichick because he has the final say on that. So, you know, if I'm looking across the board, I don't care if he's the best coach in history. All I care about right now is I'm looking and moving forward. With due respect to what was accomplished before, if you're just asking me what sort of situation the Patriots are in going into this year, the answer is they're screwed. They're, They're the worst team with the worst quarterback in a division that looks really tough. And by the way, those quarterbacks are young. And a lot of those coaches and organizations are young. I, I just feel like right now the Patriots are being left behind, and I'm supposed to look back at what happened in the early 2000s as hope
3: for that? No. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Because watching the season last year, right, their special teams won them a game or two last year, but also their special teams cost them games. Mm. We also seen the offense sputter and not be dynamic in a lot of different ways because of the offensive coordinator position and the, you know, um, uh, inconsistent play at the quarterback position and non-explosive at skill position players, we also seen a game against the Raiders in which we know in the past, like Bill Belichick is talking about, we've seen his teams be coached up to do what they're coached to do, right? We've seen guys doing their own things, and it led to a loss for their football team, in which came back to haunt them. It could have been a reason why they actually won a football game and made the playoffs, but instead it was a reason why they didn't make a play- the playoffs in 2022. And that's just, that was just the season for the New England Patriots yeah, in a nutshell.
2: It is interesting because all the things that beat the Patriots are the things that never beat the Patriots last exactly. year. And that's going to fall again at the feet of Belichick with great respect to what he's done That doesn't mean that what he's doing right now is good enough. Fitz and Harry is presented presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career path with flexibility, great pay, and benefits? Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. Our next guest is in Arizona mingling with NFL coaches and owners alike. He'll fill you in on everything he's hearing from the ground. We'll do that next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
3: Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
2: In fairness, if there's anybody that can say, just look at the last 25 years, it is Bill Belichick. But that doesn't make the right now any easier if you're a Patriots fan looking around at the AFC East and trying to figure out where your space is on it. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance and as you know, the NFL owners meeting is taking place right now in beautiful Arizona. We'll go there now. Dan Graziano, ESPN, NFL insider. He's there. He's hanging out. Uh, I hope, Dan, are you getting a delightful suntan and drink? Like, in my mind, the minute it's done, there's a frozen cocktail and you get to put your feet up and you have one of those reflecting boards you put under to make sure that you're getting all the sun on your face. Like, get a little of the Arizona heat going in.
0: I don't think you have a, a super accurate picture in your head of what's going on out here. I will say this: uh, the weather's fantastic. I mean, just it's supposed to be eighty degrees here today, no clouds, no humidity, nothing. So, you know, being able to stand outside and talk to you guys uh, on the radio is a is a pleasure in a place like this. That's but it. yeah, you know, it's it's uh, it's work. You know, it's work. <laughs> Pretty much work most of the time.
2: All right, so what did you make now that you, you you danced around my imagery? What did you make of Bill Belichick not dancing around anything and just saying, "Look at the last twenty five years
0: I found it really interesting to listen like that, that sound from Teddy Bruschi, I like to hear how like people who've played for him reacted to it and said that, that doesn't sound like him and, and they're right I mean it doesn't like i mean like he's he's right right <laughs> like I, hey i've got track record here. uh you should trust me um but it doesn't seem like the kind of thing that that usually is the way, you know, he approaches this. It doesn't seem like it's, it's his regular mentality. So it makes me wonder, if you know, the last couple of years have kind of worn on him a little bit and maybe he's a little frustrated that he hasn't been able to continue that success that he had, you know, when Brady was there and all those years. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's If you're the Patriots right now, I think you're feeling it a little bit because, you know, people are probably going to be picking you fourth in that division. And, and uh, you know, another year without the playoffs, you start to wonder about a little bit of mystique wearing off.
3: Yeah, Gros, and you know they always say, especially coaches, what have you done for me lately? What you've done in yeah. your past doesn't okay. mean anything right now at this moment. But I want to move to Lamar yeah. Jackson. What, what, what was your okay. reaction to, uh, to Lamar's tweet coming out while John Harbaugh was speaking at the owners' meeting?
0: Well, like a lot of us, I mean, my reaction was to start asking John Harbaugh a lot of questions because he had just walked in the room and sat down for for his interviews. So, um, I think it's interesting that Lamar – like it had to be calculated, right?
3: Mm-hmm. But
0: we all know through this process that Lamar hasn't really been. Like it, he doesn't. We know he doesn't have an agent, and you know, maybe you know, not all the advice he's gotten has been super solid, and it's been a little sloppy in terms of how he's operated. Uh, you know, with his his. Uh, business partner reaching out to teams and the NFL getting upset about that. So I was thinking to myself, like, who, who gave him this idea? Um, Because it was a great one, right? It really put the spotlight right where, where he wants it right now. So um, I found it interesting from the standpoint of Lamar managing his own negotiation and the role that this will play in that in terms of, does it move the story materially? I mean, my first reaction was no, because, teams have known for three weeks that they could pick up the phone and call Lamar Jackson and see if he's unhappy and if he wants to talk about a deal with them. Uh, So I don't think him coming out and saying what he said yesterday is going to affect the way other teams approach this. I think maybe it turns up a little bit of heat on the Ravens who have kind of been in the driver's seat for the last three weeks here. Uh, But, you know, talking to the Ravens, it doesn't sound like they're feeling that way. So, I think it just makes public what some of us have suspected for a while, which is that he's unhappy.
2: We're talking to Dan Graziano. He's in Arizona, and Shefty has just tweeted out, the Josh uh, Harris-Mitchell Rails group, which now includes Magic Johnson, officially submitted a fully financed bid that meets Dan Snyder's $6 billion asking price. Ooh, that, uh, I, I don't even know, like, what, what it would—I like, can't imagine having $6 billion in expendable income, but no. uh,
3: the, the real you question— guys got out,
0: You guys got outbid? Is that, <laughs> is that, only we're at five and a half?
2: I, I mean, well, I one know, thing
3: we wouldn't be doing is bidding for no damn commanders. I Me and mean, Fitz will be somewhere on a yacht.
2: Uh, yeah, six. if I got $6 billion, uh you know what? We're not We're not working ever another day in our lives. Uh, I'm, I'm with you guys. Uh, do you think yeah. uh, we get some sort of forward movement on an actual transaction for a sale during these meetings? No,
0: because the meetings are going to wrap up here in about <laughs> about three, four hours. Uh, so, so no, but I, I do think that that when we've talked to people here about the commander's situation, the sense you get is that the owners would really like the sale to move along and reach its conclusion. So they don't have to worry about, you know, taking a vote to remove Dan Snyder or anything like that. They, they want him to sell and have it clean. And then he's out and they and they have a new business partner there in Washington that can maybe get a stadium built and all that. So uh, the fact that it's moving along is a, is a positive thing. Um, but, no, they're not going to vote on, on a new owner of the commanders at this meeting. Maybe if it if it really hustles, uh, they could do that at their meeting in May. But um, right now it has not been an agenda item for these guys. Uh, when you talk to the owners and the, and the executives that are here, they said it hasn't been an agenda item, and they wanted to let the the sale process and also that ongoing investigation, that Mary Joe White investigation, uh, play itself out before they, they really say anything publicly, unless you're Jim Hersey, who's was talking publicly about this in October. But, you know, that's Jim.
3: Gross. what do you think prompted, you know, Brian Gutekinds to come out and say communication with Aaron Rodgers has been very challenging?
0: I think what prompted that, Harry, is, is that, that the communication with Aaron Rodgers has been <laughs> very challenging. And I think that that has uh, been a frustrating thing to Brian Gutekinds low these many years. I think he's a man who is ready to be done with this situation and, and this individual, and um, I think he doesn't like that Aaron came out last week and said, you know, he didn't like the way that the Packers were characterized in, in Aaron's interview with Pat McAfee, so he told his side of the story um, and said, look, we, we we just weren't able to reach him. So if he, if he wanted us to, to be straight with him, then he didn't give us the opportunity. It's a relationship that is clearly at its end, And um, I don't know that it's going to be any uglier than it's already been in terms of a parting. But, uh, yeah, I think that was
2: Gutekunst
0: standing up for himself and his organization saying, look, Aaron wants to characterize us as mistreating him, and and we don't feel that that's fair.
2: If he doesn't give a damn what anybody thinks, which is how I feel when I hear him talking that way publicly, what does that mean for the negotiations that we keep thinking are going to at some point get completed?
0: I think very little. I, I think both sides are motivated to get the deal done. Uh, I had a lot of conversations on this last night. The one thing, you know, you talked about at the beginning, they always host us for this this really lavish cocktail reception uh, one of the nights of the meeting. So you're back there on the lawn with all the owners and GMs and coaches and everybody. So that's really nice. And you do get a little bit of scuttlebutt in that situation. So the sense (laughs) I got was that, yes, the draft is a big date, you know, because you don't want to go past that and start talking about not getting any picks this year. But from the Packers' end of it, I, I didn't get the sense that they were going to milk it that long. I think the pick that the Jets got last week in the Elijah Moore trade will help uh, get this deal done. I think, you know, having that extra high second-round pick is a is the thing. They just got to figure out exactly how it works, you know, what the what the conditions are that can make the pick worth more or worth less depending on how the Jets do and whether Rogers stays more than one year and all that. But I do not get the sense from the Packers that they are – uh, eager to drag this out.
3: So, garage next year we're, we're going to petition, and we need your signature, that Fitz and Harry is live from the owner's meeting. We want to be so, at that cocktail party as well.
0: Yes, you do. It's fantastic. And, and look, the, the meeting moves around. Like, it's, it's not going to be here at the Biltmore in Arizona next year, and I don't know where it's going to be, but I can tell you from my experience covering this meeting, it's always somewhere really nice and really warm. And uh, last year we were at the Breakers in Palm Beach. And yeah, it's kind of a nice, you know, all the other man, I nice could,
3: man, kind of I experience. Man, could, I could wear my leopard Speedos, man.
2: Yeah, I mean, look. You, if, I, if, that, <laughs> if that's your thing, then yeah, you, you could. You and Andy Reid. I mean... Um, I'm just saying, you need somebody to carry your bags for you. It's going to be Fitz and Harry, and we'll just, you know, we'll go out there and be Graziano's personal assistants, and we happen to do a radio show from there. You
0: guys can make this. I'm looking at, like, radio setups and, like, team team sites. I mean, there's not a radio row, but I'm telling you, you guys, you start Mm. working on it now, I think you can make this happen.
2: Enticing. It's now been endorsed by Dan Graziano, so it has to happen. Graz, appreciates you. Get a pina colada with, like, a little extra whipped cream and, like, two cherries on top. You've earned it. You deserve it. Double cherries today.
0: Cream on, I don't know,
2: man. He's out of his mind.
0: Cream on Please pina don't
2: colada. listen to him. Yeah, <laughs> Whipped cream on top of I'm not a beer? Pina- sure okay. Well, that's, I yeah. remember, I eat All and right. drink like a child. Appreciate you, Graz. Thanks so much, brother. Evidently. All right. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Follow him on Twitter at Dan Graziano ESPN. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes when I'm in a bar, I just oh, I, I order a pina colada with extra whipped cream, two cherries on top, just because I'm splurging that kind of way. And man, <laughs> always
3: makes me happy when I do. Do you remember that Martin Excuse episode? Me. Gina, I'm walking down the beach in my leopards. I'm walking down the beach in my leopards. Oh, man. <laughs>
2: All right. We're two days away from MLB opening day. Jeff Passer will tell you why some of the most intriguing storylines this season will come from the West Coast. We'll do it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, getting you a little caught up, getting you ready for opening day. But to do that, remember, the Southern California teams of baseball are trying to get it done. Brought to you by Granger, getting it done with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger has the right product for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. If you don't believe me, you'll believe Jeff Paston as he gets us the countdown to opening day.
1: It's in Harry's countdown to Major League Baseball's opening day with Jeff Pazin. For all the self-referential obsessiveness endemic to baseball on the East Coast, consider the West Coast and Southern California in particular. The Los Angeles Dodgers are at the team they were last year, which is fine seeing as they won 111 games and could stand to regress some. The San Diego Padres are a supercharged version of themselves, bringing in Xander Bogarts, getting full years of Juan Soto and Josh Hader, and altogether acting like the big market team they are And don't forget the Los Angeles Angels, who suddenly boast all sorts of lineup depth, their best starting rotation in years, and the two best players in the world, Shohei Ohtani and Mike Trout. So to recap, two teams that are gonna battle for National League West supremacy, and another with a realistic shot at its first playoff spot since 2014. It's far too early to know whether this will prove to be true, but for all the people going into the 2023 season saying West Coast, best coast, maybe you should believe them. Only two days till opening day.
2: Oh, Jeff Passon doing great work getting us caught up. We'll give you our thoughts on that coming up in the show, but we got to go to break a little early because one of the biggest stars, not just in country music, but in all of music is going to join us next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN radio and the ESPN app.
4: Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
2: It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, I'm going to tell you a story. You ready for a story, Harry? Let's do this. All right, so uh, as most people at this point in life know – the majority of my country music career, although you know I played on a lot of records, I was lucky to have a good studio run. But the majority of my live run was playing uh, the fiddle and the band leader for the band Perry. And so I'll never forget my first show with the band Perry was on a tour with Luke Bryan and Tim McGraw and the, the rare thing about that is a lot of people don't realize when you go into these tours like it's rare to have everybody sort of ascending at the same time right and so McGraw was like king of the world at that point Luke was on this tear that was undeniable and we had just put out a fight out young so it was like this crazy moment where I, I remember the first show we did in some amphitheater I don't remember which one it was we had like four feet of stage nobody had ever heard of the song and by the end of that tour that song had blown up and we were doing all these sort of crazy things. But what I remember the most about that tour. Was I, I was on the, a workout kick like I am now, right? So I was doing Insanity after the after we would finish our show, me and the drummer Boone, we'd go out there and we would go, we'd lay out these mats and we would do Insanity in the lawn. And then all my buddies that played for Luke, like uh, Kenton and, and Aerosmith and all of his guys, they would just sit there having drinks by the bus, laughing at us while we did Insanity because they were having a much better time. To this day, I think they figured it out, they did it the right way. We did not. I mean, we didn't have <laughs> as much fun as they did, and they're still kicking ass. Luke Bryan joining us now on the show, obviously American Idol, this Sunday and Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central on ABC. You can check Luke out, too, uh, doing great work out in Vegas, about to go on tour. Luke, appreciate your time, man. Uh, Always great to to catch up, and we'll just start with the obvious here, because when I was on the road years ago, Georgia football was not where it is now. Now Georgia football just keeps winning national championships, so the more they win, does the entire group of Georgia fans among the country music community only get louder? It feels like y'all are just like, talking the talk at this point.
4: Hey, well first of all, I remember your I remember your scrawny ass out there working out. That so, is uh, fair. I'm still still scrawny. No, <laughs> still scrawny. Good good to hear from y'all. Great to have I me. Mean, yeah, you know that's the main thing. I mean um I, I think as Georgia fans what you don't ever want to have happen is complacency in winning, you know. I mean I think Alabama went through it when you know you would see Nick Saban kind of doing a press conference kind of screaming and yelling at the fans because they were trickling in you know they were trickling in late to football games and really uh, just getting kind of spoiled by their dominance and you know I hope that feeling I, I tell you I mean nobody I, I would put my passion for Georgia football I'll put it up against anybody I've just been a lifelong Georgia Bulldogs fan and to be where we are now I've spent so many years dreaming of this moment so I'm not going to take a second of it for granted I'm going to enjoy it I'm going to read all the headlines and check on all the recruits and check on the check on you know who's getting crystal balled and where they're going so it's been something I've been into for years and to finally see um to finally have a coach like Kirby and have the, uh, have the, you know, the program where it's going. It's so, uh, it's just an amazing feeling.
3: So Luke, I got to ask you which national championship in your eyes was sweeter because you know, they won one in 1980. You were about three, four years old at that time, but the 2021, 2022 national championship, which one was the sweeter one in your eyes?
4: Well, you know, Harry, I've told people when you're a four year old kid and your first your first memory of football is the nineteen eighty Georgia football team and your first you know the your first idea of what a running back is is Herschel Walker. Let's just say you'll forever be you'll be um you know, you're you're forever tainted by such an amazing football team. But you know, I gotta tell you, you know, going in and coming back and beating Alabama um, you know, in 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 two thousand twenty one, you know, to, to, to shake the Alabama monkey. I mean, Alabama has been the elephant in the room and and you know, there were several times that Georgia on the field actually I thought beat Alabama and lost the game. And so, um, and 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 then to, to lose uh I guess we lost the SEC championship to them and they beat us pretty good and then to come back and validate it with a national championship I mean I, I still go back and look at the the videos on my phone of that night I mean let's just say a lot of champagne was sprayed in Indianapolis <laughs> and it was certainly one of <laughs> to be there with my children and and I have uh, I've done such an amazing job brainwashing my children to be Georgia fans To be there with them was was pretty special.
2: We're talking to Luke Bryan again, American Idol, this Sunday, Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern on ABC. You don't want to miss it. Uh, I remember one of our, uh, I mean, I think it was one of my last, it was near the end of my run with the band, Perry. We did the what it was, the Bayou Superfest, whatever, LSU Stadium, and, and y'all were headlining it. We came on right before you guys. And I remember the stage shaking, uh, and the crowd was so loud. I mean, they were drunk and they were loud. It's a perfect combination for country music. Uh, the What's the loudest SEC crowd that you have played a concert in front of?
4: Oh well, it you know uh, that's a tough one to say. I mean, uh, Jason, you know, Jason Aldine and I, we did play Sanford Stadium one time, and it was it was pretty rowdy. But them LSU, them LSU fans down there, it, 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 that festival was pretty uh, was pretty amazing. And I, and I tell you what, what was interesting um, the Georgia the Georgia Tennessee game this year, in um, and, and you know, I think obviously. Um, Well, you can tell that um, uh, Tennessee – God, I'm drawing a blank. I cannot believe I'm drawing a blank on Tennessee's uh, quarterback. uh, Hendon
3: Hooker? Hendon Hooker.
4: Hendon Hooker. Yeah, when you saw the mistakes he was – well, not mistakes, just the whole team was – their timing was off. And I remember being in the stadium that day, and when I left, I had to go do a show that night, um, and – my ears physically had pain. They were hurting so bad from the from the crowd noise. I mean, it was a – so, I mean, I think when SEC fans, no matter what, I mean, I've been in Auburn Stadium where they get the little – they get those pom-pom things, they get going. And, I mean, every SEC stadium, when you talk about 90,000-plus, I don't know if anybody's louder in all of humanity. So, at any given moment, it, it gets pretty crazy. But – um what was but, it like for, for those, Luke, you, Luke? You yeah. mentioned
2: Sanford Stadium. For you growing up a Georgia fan. What was it like for you the first time you played that stadium?
4: Oh, it was a huge you know, Jason Jason Aldeen and I, obviously very, very dear friends and our we share the same concert promoter and he called us with the idea and we were like, We're in, just get it there. So it was a pretty special day to walk out there and 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 and, and be such a big bulldog fan and see so so, you know, see the place sold out, it was a, it was certainly a special day.
3: So, Luke, the trio of uh, Katy Perry, Lionel Richie, yourself coming into the sixth season of American Idol, what has it been, you know, like being a part of this show?
4: You know, there's a lot of emotions around this show. Obviously, the work with Lionel and Katy has been really one of the blessings of my life. We We have a great time together. We have a great respect for one another. And I mean, when you look at everybody's pedigree, it's really fun to to be a part of this panel and to use our knowledge to help these kids through life. I mean, you know, um, I mean, I get to see uh, I guess I get to see kind of a microcosm of the American journey through these kids that come from all uh, different walks of life, from different struggles, from the inner cities to the to the to the to the backwoods and the inner cities and the, and the broken homes to the, we see it all. I, I feel like I could be a, uh, 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 you know, I feel like I could be a licensed, uh, you know, psychologist at this point from, from meeting all these beautiful kids. But, uh, you know, it's just been a great learning experience and it's been fun. I mean, nothing's more rewarding than to have, you know, American Idol fans, you um, come up to us and they're like we really love what y'all have done with the show. We love how you treat the kids. And, and you know it's pretty interesting. I mean, it is not easy to make it in TV out there. I'm sure you guys, you know, you like to, you guys probably like to know how many people are listening to your radio shows. So so the fact that we can still year after year on Idol feel like we reinvent it, we get a little better. We we touch more people it's something that you're really proud of. I mean, it'd be a bad day to walk in and they tell you that the show is not doing well. And cause you're going to take it a little personally because you, you've got your blood, sweat and tears in it. But the fact that we've been able to kind of reinvent the show, re um, rebrand it to something that's, uh, that's really uh forward thinking. It, it's something to be very proud of. And, and, and you look at Ryan Seacrest who's, been there from day one and Ryan's a part of the journey too. We we really have fun in the moment. And it's it's a I think it's just a well done show that you can sit down with your family and, and, and really enjoy it and watch it and it's uh it's just a beautifully done show.
2: Luke, I'll tell you this, man. You've always had a band of great guys. You still have a band of great guys. Say hey to everybody for me. And and for anyone that hasn't ever Googled it, check out we talk about coaching trees. There's a whole tree of people that have been really successful coming out of the Luke Bryan camp and coming out of tours and opportunities. Congrats on kicking ass, man. It's fun to see where you are. It's fun to see where you were and see the entire journey. Thanks for hanging out with us.
3: Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, wait, wait. wait, a wait. Minute. Oh, wait,
2: wait. Sorry, Harry, Harry. sorry, Luke, Harry.
3: Luke, tell that country girl, shake it for me, okay. baby. Okay. That's <laughs> <everything>. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I love it, Harry. Harry, nice to meet you. And, and obviously, I'm a big Falcons fan too. So I really loved watching you, watching you on the field with the Falcons. And we got to get the Falcons back. We got to get the Falcons where the Bulldogs are at now.
3: Oh, it's in, it's in the making. Trust me, Luke, It's in the making. Oh, you just it's fed in the ego. Making. The rest of the uh, day, I'm going I'm to hear about this. Luke, thanks for hanging out, brother. Have a good day.
2: Hey, have a great one. Thank you. Thank you. Guys, Guys, don't forget Hollywood Week on American Idol starts this week, Sunday and Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 central on ABC. You don't want to miss it and uh yeah it, it was it, it is funny he makes fun of the scrawny portion of it i have often looked back harry and thought man we worked really hard when i was on the road luke's guys worked hard too but they had a lot more fun like the number of times we were like dragging gear to go to like rehearse at some little side area and they were playing cornhole getting d Like like they, they, they had a- <laughs>
3: They but, th- but, experience that's, but that's, that's, that's it what it's about, though. That's yeah. what it's about. That's why on Fitz and Harry, man, we're gonna have as much fun as possible. We're gonna provide y'all with the knowledge and the insight on things, but we want to have fun while doing this. And I think that's the best thing,
2: man. Yeah, one of the great things about Luke and the way he approached approaches shows too—a lot of work behind the scenes so that they could have that much fun when they actually got on stage. Right. Uh, and obviously, Katy Perry, Luke, Lionel Richie, Luke Bryan together on American Idol uh, is always going to be a winning combination. Again, Sunday, Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central. On ABC. Fun to watch that shine constantly for Luke, and uh, good to know that I'm still scrawny. I mean, I I take scrawny as a compliment. I mean, I'm getting a little yoked around here, but I don't know. I'll take uh, take scrawny. All right, we'll get you back to all the NFL content. I think we've broken some sort of a rule at, at ESPN because we've gone a full hour and not said Aaron Rodgers, so we will fix that next. The Packers GM seems like he's had enough of the drama. You'll hear what he said. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
0: Listening to the Fitz and Harry Podcast. You can listen to the guys live weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio. And you can watch on the ESPN app.